Sean, how much do you hate the White Stripes right now? Season one of Striped, the story of the White Stripes, is officially all said and done. We have season two coming up in a few months, as well as a surprise or two heading your way in the new year. But to tide you over until then, we have some season one bonus content for the next three weeks that'll really scratch that super fan itch. This first episode is a deep dive into some of the songs that made it onto the White Stripes debut album, and some of the songs that didn't. This isn't comprehensive, we don't go through every track meticulously, and, and there's no set format. It's just Blackwell providing context for some of the songs and tidbits about their creation, some of which you may have already heard, but a lot of which is brand new, even for the biggest fans. So sit back and enjoy this bonus episode of Stripe, the story of the White Stripes. So the first song on the album, Jimmy the Exploder. I remember the White Stripes did a demo session. They recorded some uh, some early demos. That was, that was one of the first songs that they had played. The song Jimmy the Exploder is about a monkey that explodes things that aren't the color red. Uh, green apples on the tree and growing now. Green apples going to be exploding now. Uh, and I specifically remember talking to Jack when they were recording their first Italy single. And I said, well, what's the, what's the single going to be? What's the A side going to be? He said, oh, we're going to do Let's Shake Hands, which is a fairly new song in their repertoire at that point. And I said, Let's Shake Hands? That's, okay. What about like Jimmy the Exploder? Like that seems like a, a tried and true, like quintessential White Stripe song. And Jack said, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm saving that for the album. And my thoughts were like, fucking album who do you think you are like no one's but now white stripes albums um but jack was right uh so you know that's uh that goes to his his foresight uh in in light of uh you know the situation may not have clearly dictated at that point that there was going to be a white stripes album nevertheless he was prepared for it um also, uh, I, Jack has said to me at moments, he said he was very proud of the fact that the White Stripes self-titled album, the first sounds on the album are Meg's drums. The last sound on the album is Johnny Walker's guitar. The second song on the album is Stop Breaking Down. So it's a cover of Robert Johnson's Stop Breaking Down, um, which was originally supposed to be the B-side to the Big Three Killed My Baby single. And there was an idea of marketing it as an anti-automobile 45, which is, you know, the, the auto industry is still fairly flush in 1999. Uh, I don't know if many people would have taken kindly to that or had issue with that. But eventually the, was decided to be put on the album. And uh, the way it's performed on the album, it has bass on it, which uh, a lot of people, I think every White Stripes album that came out um, has bass on it. There's a bass somewhere or other. 
And every time it happened, critics, not, except for the first album, critics would say, oh, they finally used a bass. Oh, it couldn't, uh, couldn't just be a two-piece anymore. And Jack would always post, there's bass on the first album. Like, what are you, these, you know, people creating their own narratives uh, to fit the story they're trying to tell or try to, you know, find a chink in the armor or something like that. Um, but as far as I remember, uh, it wasn't until like after the record was recorded or maybe even after it came out that they realized that the Rolling Stones had covered Stop Breaking Down on Exile on Main Street. And it was kind of like, yeah, we'd, you know, I'd listen to Exile on Main Street, but maybe didn't have a copy, uh, you know, didn't own a copy at that time. But it wasn't, they were kind of, the White Stripes were pulling directly from the Robert Johnson version and not getting influenced by the Stones version or the Pussy Galore Exile Main Street cover version. And the way they play it on the album is very propulsive and very kind of full-bodied. Early on in those early years, they didn't, it seemed like they weren't really able to replicate that live. And so at a certain point, they kind of started playing it more like a slow um, quasi-acoustic blues. Uh, and then later on, like maybe like I feel like that last Icky Thump tour, they started figuring out how to play it. First album style, heavy electric. Third song on the album is The Big Three Killed My Baby. Um, if there's any, anything closely resembling a hit on that first White Stripes album, that's it. And so, you know, originally written for Andre Williams. Uh, Jack, at, at a couple live shows, I remember him dedicating the song to Tucker, Preston Tucker, the kind of the um, upstart who took on The Big Three and tried to start his own car company um, with uh, very, very concerned about car safety. You know, the, the logo on the back of The Big Three Killed My Baby single um, is a reimagination of the Tucker Automobile Company logo. I don't know if anyone's ever caught this. Um, the Tucker logo uh, said a symbol of safety. And so because the record came out on some sympathy for the record industry, we changed it to a symbol of sympathy. Um, and it's, I believe the back cover has uh, like blueprints of the Tucker Automobile on it. Or if not, that was on the original uh, mock-up layouts of the uh, of that single, which those pictures are included in the the vault package. Um, there was this crazy story. I want to make sure that gets told. I want to get it right. Did I put it in here or not? There was a rumor. And I can't find anywhere to prove this. Um, there was a rumor. So down the street from Ghetto Recorders, there's a big, uh, a, a, a big building that looked like a, a parking garage. And they had signs. I remember there were signs on the side that said, we buy jukeboxes, arcade games, whatever. Dirt Bombs did a photo shoot in front of it once. And years after the fact... This is, this is like a block away from Ghetto Recorders. 
years after the fact, I feel like Jack told me that they had found an original Tucker torpedo in that building of which there was, there was only ever 60 Tuckers made, I think, and something like 45 of them still exist. You know, some of them crashed or burned up or whatever. And him telling me that made me think, you know what? That was, it was probably meant to be like that had some sort of psychic cosmic force, you know, across the street, beaming over to you guys doing this song about, you know, the shortcomings of the, uh, the automotive industry. Well, I've said it now. Nothing's changed. After the big three killed my baby is uh, Susie Lee, I think. So that's another song that uh, that's one of the songs that Johnny Walker plays um, second slide guitar on. Johnny Walker, you know, I don't know if he's mentioned it in his interviews, but he famously, um, you know, campaigns on the fact that he taught Jack White how to play a slide guitar. Um, I remember Jack saying like. I had to ask him. I was like, did Johnny really teach you how to play slide guitar? He's like, he showed me like one or two things. I was like, oh, well, yeah, I figured that out. It wasn't like, wasn't like there was a, a master and student uh, situation here. But uh, Susie Lee, I feel like Jack had, had uh, Jack described Susie Lee as the first song he, he ever wrote that, that was um, purely fictional, that it wasn't about any specific people or specific um, experience that it was just entirely made up uh, in his head. Susie Lee is not a real person. Um, but Susie Lee ends up showing up in other White Stripe songs. Susie Lee ends up uh, in We're Gonna Be Friends. Uh, Walk With Me, Susie Lee. Um, so that's uh, that's Susie Lee. Um, after Susie Lee is... Sugar never tasted so good Sugar never tasted so good Sugar never tasted good say it's sugar never tasted so good so originally recorded as one of the songs on the white stripes second single uh on italy records double b-side uh so uh i always considered lafayette blues kind of the, mo- the stronger song for years but i think history has probably proven out that it was sugar never tasted so good but recorded in the front room 1203 ferdinand one microphone so that one microphone is is capturing Jack's voice, Jack's guitar, Meg's bass drum, Meg hitting the ride cymbal, and I think maybe she's playing tambourine on there as well, hitting with a hitting a tambourine like on her leg. Um, and Jack was so proud of that, so proud to be able to just say, just find that perfect microphone placement, and also the perfect levels of all of how, how much he's projecting his voice, how loud he's playing the guitar. That's one microphone that's unmixed. You, you, Sean, you asked for an instrumental version of that to be able to use on this podcast. I said, there's no instrumental. It's all right there. One, uh, one, t- one version. And, and there's multiple takes of that. So those multiple takes are on the vault package. Um, and they're all pretty, pretty close. Like, it's not like, uh, to me, it doesn't seem like, oh, well, that's like those other two are stinkers. Um, there might be like tempo might be off and at some other points, but um, super trivia moment that uh, at the end of uh, 
Jack plays a dis- descending chord structure. Down, down, down. That last note between between him say, hitting that last note and him saying, "Water never tasted so good." You hear this really, really tiny, and that's uh, that's Jack's dog Elroy. Was it Elroy or Jasper? One of the dogs. I think it was. Well, it's Elroy or Jasper. Elroy was a Chihuahua. And uh, Jasper was a Boston Terrier. But <laughs> you got to imagine there's these dogs walking around being quiet for the recording session. And uh, he just lets out the tiniest squeak. If you're not listening for it, you will, you, no one has ever caught that before. Broken Bricks is a song I don't think anyone's ever really properly understood the story of, which is the credits on the album are very clear. It says lyrics by Stephen Gillis and Jack White, music by Jack White. Broken Bricks was originally titled Metal in Heaven. Stephen Gillis is Jack's brother, and he used to just write poems and leave them in Jack's mailbox. And so... This metal in heaven. I think metal in heaven is what uh, Stephen titled it. It was all about. If you listen to the lyrics, it's all about buildings in your neighborhood being torn down, and that's where you landed. Your brother landed his first punch. Or your dad, daddy made the company list. Seeing buildings being torn down, demolition calls it building C. Um, that resonated with Jack. If you looked at Southwest Detroit at the time, that's the whole neighborhood's falling apart, and there's buildings being torn down and your whole life was lived in this neighborhood. I love the fact that for a brief period, Rolling Stone magazine had a Q&A uh, uh, section and they're talking about, hey, on uh, the White Stripes' first album, uh, the song Broken Bricks is credited to Stephen Gillis uh, as having written the lyrics. What, what, who is that? What's that story? And they tried to make the connection to, to they totally got it 100% wrong. They did no research they're like, well, Jack White was actually born, blah, 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 like 100% got the story wrong, which to me, as a journalism school dropout, that was always, uh, I took joy in that, seeing them get it wrong. Astro was a relatively new song at the time it was recorded. I think it was was originally kind of just uh, performed as an instrumental. Um, it was another song that was recorded at um, twelve hundred three Ferdinand and not um, at Ghetto Recorders. So that was recorded in the front room. And uh, Jack had described the Astro as something that you do when you're by yourself that no one knows about. And that first the the song starts off with a one, two, three, four kind of said really, really, um, sounds weirdly distorted. And Jack's like, Oh yeah, I put a, I put a sock over the mic and I stuck the mic all the way in my mouth. I won't do it to your mic right now, Sean, but, uh, you, you listen to it now that you've heard that and you'll understand why it has that sound. And, uh, the solo on that song 
uh, Jack had described as the the most gories moment on that first album. And it's pretty cool. It's, it sounds reminiscent of like uh, maybe like Rat's Nest or Omolegato, uh, two classic gory songs. All right, we're going down the list. Uh, we're, I'm not in order at this point, but Little People. Little People originally started as a song called uh, Big Girl. It's the first White Stripes entry in the Little catalog. So every White Stripes album has a song with uh, the word little in the title. So Little People uh, is the uh, is one of them. Uh, they played it at their f- uh, their first full show at the Gold Dollar, again, under the name Big Girl. And I have a, a little piece of paper kicking around. I think it's like the back of a uh, one of the paper envelopes that you get guitar strings in. And uh, it's Meg. Meg kind of was the, the genesis for the lyrics, coming up with the lyrics of uh, Little People. So you can see um, in Meg's handwriting, it says, uh, says Bing Bing Bop. So the lyrics are, there's a little girl who says Bing Bing Bop. There's a little girl who says Bing Bing Bop. Hello. Uh, and then other one like has a tiger in her bed, blah, 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 whatever. Like the Meg kind of came up with the lyrics for that one, which is uh, I'm unaware of that being uh, being the case on any other White Stripe songs. St. James Infirmary Blues, another cover. Um, so I think I said this previously, but they originally got the uh, the band originally got the idea to cover that song from a Betty Boop cartoon that uh, featured Cab Calloway. And I remember getting ready for school one day in high school and seeing this cartoon on TV for some reason, whatever. Holy shit! Wait, what? Am, like Betty Boop and St. James Infirmary and Cab Calloway? Um, and so that um, doesn't seem like anyone's ever caught this before, but Jack had written and added his own verse in the song, which is take apart your bones and put them back together. Tell your mama that you're somebody new. Hit the wind blowing. Let me look out here and say what you wanted to do. So he should get partial writing credit on that, even though it's a traditional song. Um, and that's the, there's a, in, he starts the song. I was saying, Oh, Coco, Coco is one of the, characters in that Betty Boop cartoon. Slicker Drips. Slicker Drips, the name came from a paint color um, that Jack had painted a, a room in, in uh, in his house was Slicker Drips. One of my favorite White Stripe songs. I don't think it, the the power and the, and the, how impressive that song was live, I don't think comes across in the recording. The lyrics are, are, are I think, inconsequential, um, but the, uh, it's a descending riff. But, in the uh, there's kind of a breakdown where 
they stop and Jack will play a little guitar lick and then I'll do a hit. I'll do three hits. I'll do a one hit. Um, and on record, it just sounds like, okay, yeah, they're just doing these accents. But live, Jack was just calling out those hits randomly. There was no pattern. It's not like we do one and then we do three and then we do one and then we do three. It was all whatever he, he called out at the time. And he's not verbally calling it out. He's, he's basically showing Mega one or a three with his strumming hand, I think it is. Yeah, with his strumming hand. So if you saw it like live at the gold dollar up close, um, I feel like Brendan Benson was the one who described it really, really well. He's like, it seemed like this James Brown thing. Like you're just calling out like one, three, one, bam, 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 bam. Um, it was really fucking cool. And and I I've, I feel bad if people didn't get to 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 ever for people who didn't get to see that live. Um, because that doesn't come across on the recording. You don't get the the spontaneity of it. That was always a really, really spontaneous uh, moment in those recordings. Can't forget Screwdriver. Jack described Screwdriver as the first song written for the White Stripes. So other songs like Sugar Never Tasted So Good started off as just a song he had just written. But Screwdriver was a song that was written as a White Stripes song. And the tale of, you know, just up in the attic jamming and seeing a screwdriver lying there and talking about man, how much, it would hurt so much more to get stabbed by a screwdriver than stabbed by a knife. And the lyrics were originally, he would just make up the lyrics on the spot. And if you listen to their the White Stripes' first show at the Gold Dollar, um, you can kind of tell. He's just kind of spouting stuff off the top of his head. And Meg played a drif- different drum beat to start. So when they originally performed the song, she's playing a, a alternating kick drum hi-hat. Kind of more like a... a cha-cha go-go feel to it and then by the time they're they're playing live more and they're recording the, fir- the first album um she's playing the, the the tom accents and just um keeping time on on the high I thought it was pretty cool when the band got their first opportunity to play late night television. They played the late show with Craig Kilborn in uh, July of 2001. They didn't play a song off the current album. They went and played screwdriver. Uh, And I think that was, that was the idea of if you only get one chance, you know, 
the whole you got to shoot your shot, whatever, that that was the most uh, quintessential or indicative of what the white stripes were, more so than anything on, on white blood cells at that point. Um, so they did... They did screwdriver, and they did a. Uh, they stopped in the middle, and they did a, a side of a, a little uh, quick verse of your Southern Can is mine. They played, you know, playing Blind Willie McTell on national television in two thousand one. Gotta give them credit. That's fucking cool. Um, but yeah, so still, you know, uh, as quintessential a White Stripe song you will ever find, Screwdriver. And it was funny looking at. I just last week found handwritten lyrics for it and looking at them like oh cool like and the lyrics that jack wrote on hand are totally different than the lyrics that he sang on the album so it still was even even in that point that stuff was it wasn't set in stone and things were still being tweaked and and goofed with and and you know trying to find the uh the right life of it So the last song is I Fought Piranhas. There was, uh, I remember seeing a, Jack had at that time uh, a little stuffed taxidermied plasticized piranha uh, kicking around the house. I I imagine that has something to do with it. But just uh, again, the other song, the second song that uh, Johnny Walker plays uh, slide blues guitar on. Jack and Johnny both are playing slide. And uh, there was a moment in the recording where they, this might fly in the face of what Johnny said about the sessions, uh, but I feel like there was a moment where they, maybe it was Susie Lee or it was I Fought Piranhas, that, um, that they were, did a take. And they're like, okay, we're, ju- we're done. We got it. All good. They did multiple takes or whatever. And then Johnny left and... They, they didn't record it or it got recorded over and there was this fear or uh, they had a safety like there was this this moment like shit Johnny went back to Cincinnati like he's gone like he had gone out the door he's got he's in med school all that like he's got things to do um I don't I, I you know we have a we have an alternate take on Susie I don't think there's an alternate take on I fought piranhas so um, I don't know what the what the solution or how that ended up being sorted or figured out or worked. Um, so uh, the outtakes or the songs that don't end up on the album, we have Red Bowling Ball Ruth. Mm-hmm. 
that ends up as the B-side to uh, the Big Three Killed My Baby single. Um, and only available for there for years until um, maybe like 2015, we put the single on iTunes or something like that. Uh, that song, Jack says, is uh, inspired by ACDC's Have a Drink on Me. Um, it's a very similar riff. Um, there was, uh, as similar to I Fought Piranhas, um, there was a bowling ball uh, kicking around Jack's house at the point that had the name Ruth etched into it. It was a red bowling ball with Ruth written on it. I think it came from, there was a bowling alley on the east side of Detroit called East Warren Lanes that had burned down. This is like the bowling alley I went to as a kid and uh, it burned down. And I remember telling Jack, I was like, hey, you want to go uh, check out this burned out bowling alley? And he was like, holy shit, yeah. Like like Detroit filled with so many burned out buildings and usually there's nothing interesting or they're just whatever, empty buildings or houses. Um, but a burned out bowling alley, uh, I thought we'd hoped that we would be able to find pins or something. We didn't find any pins, but there was tons of bowling balls in this building. So I think that red bowling ball roof came from the East Warren Lanes on East Warren on the east side of Detroit. Probably, appropriately, a B-side. So there's a, there's a, I would term it an embryonic version of Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, which at that time I think was just called Dead Leaves. Um, that's how we've titled it since. Uh, we put it out on a Vault 45 uh, in 2011. But dead leaves in the dirty ground when I know you're not around. Shiny tops, soda pops. Um, this whole episode doesn't need to be me just reciting lyrics. Uh, but everyone's going to love it. Um, I think it was appropriately left off the album. And that song didn't really seem to make sense until Jack obtained a, a Big Muff fuzz pedal. Um, the Big Muff is what gives that song the power and the propulsion behind it um just listen to the way that white blood cells starts off with that song it, it really shouldn't exist in any other way and then we also have uh let's build a home which is Le I don't know why I was left off the album. Uh, it seems like it was appropriate. It was true to how it sounded live. Uh, we released it as a vault single in 2011. And uh, I don't know if that version is better or worse or, or how it compares to the version that ended up on Distill. But I have always loved that song because roundabout, I think it was in 1999, performing it live, Jack started segueing into Henry and June's song going back to Memphis. They're in the same key, maybe. or They're, they're both blues songs with slide in them. Um, but Henry and June is the, is the precursor Soul Dad Brothers band. So Johnny Walker and Ben Swank are both in Henry and June. That became kind of like a cool, like, it was 300 copies of this 45 ever made. And uh, no one would know that song. You know, in Detroit, people probably wouldn't even know that song or Toledo, uh, let alone, you know, Jack ends up playing it on Conan O'Brien in 2003. 
but it's a great song. It's an amazing song. So love Let's Build a Home, particularly because it gets to expose the rest of the world to going back to Memphis. Also left off the album, there's a version of Little Red Book that uh, when putting together this vault package, I uh, pulled out Jack's original handwritten recording notes of just like, probably like after they'd done most of the recording and we're maybe still mixing. And so he'd written notes of like, this song's good. This one, we need to redo vocal. This one, we need to make sure the timing is, the, the, the tempo is right during the chorus. You know, he's just jotting down his notes. <laughs> little, little red book just says not using it. Which is hilarious because uh, when we pulled the reels and we got uh, Jack remixing um, all the songs that didn't end up or the alternate takes that didn't end up on the album, um, I thought the alternate version of Screwdriver would be like the most impressive, the most telling, interesting thing. And I thought that's what we would lead with. That would be our press release and all that stuff. And I said, but, you know, pick whatever you want. And so Jack sends, Jack said, let's... He sent over a uh, little red book. I'm like, oh, it's a cover song. It's going to, it's not, it's not that cool. But then I listened to it. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Why did you leave this off the album? And he had, he couldn't, is no real answer. I don't know why we left it. I mean, there's already 17 songs on the album. It was pretty packed as it was. Um, but I loved hearing that. And I was amazed when the first time I heard them play that, I was amazed that it wasn't a White Stripe song, that it was this Burt Backrack song from uh, the What's New Pussycat movie. It, it kind of didn't really have, uh, have much life in it and in that version. Um, but Arthur Lee and Love released a version, and that's, that, that's what the White Stripes inspiration was. But man, a, a, a song called My Little Red Book, yeah, of course the White Stripes are going to cover that. That's all we've got for this bonus episode of Striped, the story of the White Stripes. I want to say a special thanks to Ben Blackwell, Ben Swank, and the rest of the Third Man crew. We get production support from Mark Charles and Kojin Tashiro. And as always, the biggest thanks of all goes to the White Stripes themselves, Jack and Meg White, because without them, none of this would be possible. I'm your host and producer, Sean Cannon. See you next time. (laughs) 